0: First off, thank you to Jim and Brandon and everyone who helped make the Gurney Powerlifting Meet, the Warren Blue Devil Invitational Powerlifting Meet, such a success. Fantastic people as usual, lots of uh, personal records, uh, some funds raised for important causes, incredible time. so thanks to all of them. Keep an eye out, go to ihspla.com to see the rest of the schedule if you're interested. Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast. Voice of the Good Athlete Project. Today's guest is Nick Alfieri. We've had him on before, so if you want double back and listen to the podcast we had the first time around, we give more of a bio there. But here's the short version. He is one of the leading tacklers in Georgetown history. He was a captain there. And the last time we spoke with him, he was just coming off his first national championship in Europe. He played for the Schwabish Hall Unicorns in the German Football League. That was the first time we talked to him. Now the guy just won his second consecutive national championship pretty incredible he's also working on a movie and we get into the whole deal in about i don't know 15 20 seconds but trust me wonderful person Uh, we fell right back into it looking forward to uh, having nick on potentially again in the future and just having him as a friend of the project i think you're really gonna enjoy this podcast got all this content from traveling the world uh, playing American football in a foreign country, winning championships, like this just like epic post-college life. Uh, and then you go yeah. back and it's like, it, it's this own <laughs> equally unique world that it is, that is your household with your family.
1: That is very true. Yeah. The Alfieri house is a uh, very unique, very interesting place to grow up. But, uh, yeah, I think we, I mean, we all, our parents, um, had us do music lessons when we were really young. So we also, we all did piano except for my brother Joey who played at Stanford. He didn't want to uh, do piano so he played the guitar. But so we all like started doing uh, music lessons at a really early age. Uh, stopped doing lessons like around middle school, high school but like kind of just kept with it on our own and stuff and um, so I play the piano a lot
0: mm-hmm.
1: and my mm-hmm. younger brother Mikey who plays at Oregon State right now, um, yeah. he also plays a lot. And so we kind of get in our, in our music room at our house and, and mess around a bunch and We'll play the piano he'll play the flute'll uh, throw some guitar in there and we'll sometimes we'll film it as a joke and put it on Instagram. Um, I love it. and it's uh, it's a very 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 fun but it's also like I mean we have fun with it, but it's also like really cool to be able to just like sit down especially when you're stressed out or something and just get on the piano and just play around, mess around, play some songs and just I think it's an awesome stress really like similar to working out for me. Mm-hmm. it's a ni- it's a nice little mm-hmm. different creative outlet so I absolutely
0: love it. I like. let's talk a little bit more about that uh because i literally yeah. woke up this morning um i had a long night full of really cool stuff last night yeah um i won't go yeah. into the details but one could say stress inducing potentially at least uh but all good yeah. and I, I literally i woke up today and, and played the guitar so like really you know, this is unprompted but i okay. but I, i'm with you i agree yeah so, all
1: right how long have you been playing the guitar
0: uh, I'm completely self-taught and I in I don't know like maybe five years probably a little longer I actually
1: think that's like I mean that's such a good way to do it to be self-taught because then you've got like you've got like a real passion for it and it's not something I mean when you're a little kid and you're like forced to go to piano lessons like right. I hated it when I was doing it I'm glad that my parents made me do it mm-hmm. uh, looking back now but just like that picking up the guitar and teaching yourself is I think it's so awesome and it's just like it, it is a great outlet a different outlet to get rid of stress and just feel creative or something like that so that's cool
0: it is cool and and i think uh i hope a lot of people listen to this because i i really just like the idea of uh georgetown football captain two-time champion in uh germany you know not to fluff your feathers too much but like um from an outside perspective tough in a lot of ways in a lot of sort of traditional (laughs) senses like uh to To not be afraid to, first of all, admit that you're getting stressed out, find, um, for lack of a better term, self-soothing uh, methods or, or recognizing that you might be stressed out, finding ways to do it, and then uh, jumping on the piano and messing around with your brothers and stuff like that. I think, it's, yeah, I think I, people need to hear I that. that. I appreciate that, Jim. Thank you. And I like that idea. It's like, of course, you want to be like
1: a, I mean, that's part of like my personality, I guess. Like you want to be like a tough football player, like linebacker on the field and stuff, but off the field like I think it's great to just you know have other interests and other other things that help you develop as a person as a whole And so um, I appreciate that that's that's
0: true and I don't know we'll get to this I don't know the answer to this so if people think I'm giving like a teaser right now I'm not but we'll talk about um, whether or not you're gonna go back to Germany eventually and and all those kinds of things but uh, one thing that continually is has been coming up uh, recently especially is this concept that the only truth of a career is that eventually it's going to end. Right. And, and like you mentioned, if there's a, there is a certain mindset that you have to play with to play linebacker at even a, even a low level, just to play linebacker, period. There's a mindset that you've got to bring to the field and to the table. Uh, It is one that can be incredibly empowering. It's one I think that if it's transferred well to other areas of life can be really fruitful. Uh, But obviously uh, you, you can't like, you know, saw people in half in the, in the boardroom one day, there's gotta be, you have to be like a multi-dimensional thoughtful human, I believe. And I think it's really Mm -hmm. cool that you've been able to keep that stuff alive throughout your career.
1: Yeah. Awesome. I I appreciate that, Jim. Yeah. And I a hundred percent agree. And I think, I mean, there's stuff you learn from playing football, obviously. Like, I mean, you learn like the physical skills, obviously, but I think what is so much more beneficial in the long run is kind of like the the other skills you learn playing a sport, you know, you know, discipline, time management, uh dedication, stuff like that that you're able to apply um outside of the sport when your career ends. I think that's something that's uh really beneficial and something to not be looked over when you're when you're playing a sport.
0: Absolutely, right. What what are some more things like that that you found uh that have been transferable? Because like this what you've taken on in, from from the film side is no small task obviously. Yeah. I think,
1: let's see. Obviously, like time management is a, is a huge one. Yeah. Like when you play a sport in college, it's obviously an insane schedule. And and we practice at Georgetown. We practice in the morning, so it's always like getting up at 5 a.m. going to do treatment, and then you got meetings and then practice. Um, and so you got to really manage your time throughout the day and, and get everything done so you're getting to bed on time. But um, so time management is one. But also just like like determination specifically in this process of making this documentary i think like just determination and, and not giving up um because you obviously run into adversity and and stuff like that when you're playing sports whether it's an injury or whether it's somebody that beats you out for a position or something like that and i ran into adversity and still run into adversity making this documentary it's like it's kind of a daunting process i'm you know something that you're working on for three years, you're editing, sometimes you lose hope, sometimes you're like, am I doing this right? Is this even good? Um, and just like the the skill to just keep plugging away, put your head down, keep grinding away, keep grinding away, just like you do in the weight room or on the field or whatever it is, I had to apply that and have had to apply that to making this film. Um, so that's one skill that I think is... Is pretty valuable that comes from sport that I've seen directly translate to my off-the-field life right now
0: I dude I, I agree completely we may have even brought this up in the last podcast but but a, a pretty consistent mantra in my life is chase the work you're willing to do and I think yes. that's that's kind of the only way I think because mm-hmm. the, everyone especially if it's a long and worthwhile process will have those sort of peaks and valleys and to get through the valleys uh, if it's something that you feel just obliged to do, that you do sort of begrudgingly, how could you ever move on toward the peak, you
1: know? Exactly, exactly 100%. Because I mean, it's still, it's even tough when you're, when you're doing something that you love to do and you mm-hmm. care about and you're really passionate about. It's still tough when you get into those valleys. Yeah. And so if you're on a path where you, you're really not passionate about it and it's something that you just, like you said, feel begrudged to do, when you get into those valleys, it's going to be extra hard to, yeah. to keep grinding and keep fighting to get to those peaks. That's totally right.
0: Well, uh, I see a peak on the horizon for you. <laughs> uh, so, and why don't you tell us, why don't we use that? Segway. Uh, that's called a Segway. Is that right? Yeah, okay. Right. Not, the, not, not the vehicle, uh, the motorized. No, the not. Motor, really. Okay. No, okay. But um, that's right. One of those used by Joe made famous by Joe Bluth in the show Arrested Development. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the 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 segue I'm referring to is the fact that you are coming back uh you're coming back from your second national championship in Germany. Yeah. Um so can you reflect on that a little bit and that that'll that'll lead us down the path to um the next big peak in your life which is the creation and release of this documentary.
1: Yeah. For sure. So yeah, like you said, we just, us, the Schwabisch Hall Unicorns, the team I play for in Germany, we just won our second, uh, well, during my my career there, our second right. uh, German bowl, the fourth overall for the program. So we've won now in 2017 and now 2018. And I mean, it was just as special as the first time, yeah. just as difficult as the first time. This was a close um, but, game it was an extremely close game and it was super weird because we won both of the, the games that we won, uh, these German bowls we won, came down to the last play field goal. Hmm. And, um, it was like, it was in the exact same spot on the field. And we were on defense defending against field goals in the last, on the last two or on the last play both times. And so it was super interesting, super kind of eerie, but also cool thing that, uh, we're able to pull it off like that. We talk about, we've got the unicorn magic, which is just like, I mean, I've never been we have it's yeah, it fits with the unicorns, but we're in these situations with the unicorns where it's sometimes it seems like, all right, there's no way that we're gonna win this game or or you know, we're down at halftime against a very good team and, and a lot of times teams will um, you know, kind of lose hope and and we never had that throughout the season at all, especially this year. It's like mm-hmm. all right, we're down at halftime to Frankfurt, who's a very good team, who we actually ended up playing the German bowl. Mm-hmm. And people are just going through it. Halftime through the locker room said, "Do not worry, we will win this game. We will win this game." And it was something really cool and really special, like this, this confidence and belief in, in everyone in the team. And it wasn't it wasn't like a, a cockiness. It was very like genuine confidence that guys had, in, it, in it. it was something really special. And so that was kind of like a you know a vibe that we took through the entire season. And we felt it when we were backs against the wall in the German Bowl, and mm-hmm. from the outside it looks like you know this doesn't seem possible, and we're like. Have faith, trust in it. We're gonna win this game, and it's, and it's paid off.
0: I love that. There's, um, well, there's a lot I want to know about this season in that game because it was a pretty incredible season, um, yeah. and it, it was exciting to watch. It was exciting, you know, even from a from a distance, um, and obviously the to culminate in the way that it did is fantastic. Uh, right. and I don't want to hijack the story, but I cannot help but reflect on my own experience. Like I told you last time, like that's one of yeah. the really exciting things, of, uh, about finding you on in, and uh, developing mm-hmm. a dialogue and stuff like that has been, um, I, I, understand at least the spirit of it. It was in a different place. It was in Ireland and a little bit in Spain and then back to Ireland. But, uh, the two shamrock bowls that we won, uh, and I gotta give a yeah. shout out to the Limerick Vikings, um, who are like just an incredible, host of people um, it was the same kind of thing it was almost like right. this sort of dude and and I don't know if I'm now so I'm older than you obviously but I'm like distancing myself I'm wondering if I'm adding a mystique to it but I don't think I am I, and I won't steal the unicorn magic but we did have something going on where it was like both both games were close the shamrock bowls we actually played the Dub, Dublin oh. rebels in both games and there was also awesome. a blocked field goal or extra point played a factor in in both of them Um, it was, yeah, it's amazing, but we had, so I I say that because the the thing that you're referring to, um, I think we had a little bit of that too. When we, when our guys went out, um, for the second Shamrock bowl, um, our guys went out for the coin toss and on the sideline, we were like, guys, we've like, we've got this. Like we're going into overtime, the coin toss for overtime. We're going to overtime. Like we got this. It's tied right now. We, we're the Vikings are come up, uh, out on top. That's how we do it. We're prepared. We're ready. We're confident. Like you said, it's not a cockiness. It's not foolish. It's it's born right. out of hard work and, and and care for each other. But it's a very real thing.
1: Yeah, I think it's super special, and I think I don't know. I mean, maybe it's something over there where it's like you know these guys that are playing are are playing because of the pure passion for it, and I think maybe that that. Contributes to this this special like energy and like belief or whatever it is yeah. that, uh, that You know makes that come about so I think it's pretty awesome pretty special
0: I've got to look into this because there there is something to like group think and the, the momentum of like uh, Communal conscious yeah. thought there's actual effect in that there's actual impact, you yeah, know hundred percent and if, if you can it's, like, like it's it's insane I I mean, like you
1: really feel that energy and it's, it's something like
0: you you can. And then, and you look at like the NFL say, and there are some cultures that, that do it really well and kind of continue that sort of natural motivation and playing for each other and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, on a lower level, I played a little bit of indoor arena type football here. Uh, Once you start playing for paychecks, like it can still be fun. It's football, but that other thing kind of goes away a little bit.
1: It does. It changes. It changes the dynamic for sure. Yeah. And that's one thing, like you said, playing for paychecks. Not to spoil too much stuff that I'm going to drop in the documentary, but the unicorns do not pay their German players, which right. is unheard of for a team, um, kind of at that level in Germany. And we've got so many guys who could be playing for other like big city, big budget teams and getting decent money. Yeah. And they choose play for the unicorns which is a special thing and they you know it it keeps it it keeps it you know not about money but about the passion and and Mm -hmm. i think that really contributes to that so it's something that's pretty cool
0: that's exactly right okay so without on that note without giving away too many spoilers what can people expect from unicorn town
1: (laughs) all right without giving too many spoilers away so the story follows me at the beginning i leave USC film school, which was like my dream basically to go there. I went there after Georgetown, I got in and I, and it follows me deciding to leave one semester in at USC because I missed football. So I go over to this, this unknown world to me playing football in Germany. I had no idea what to expect and, and somehow by some chance I land in this extremely, extremely special small town, um, playing for the special team that's kind of got this, this cool underdog situation. It's a small town team, a small town budget, uh, playing against big city, uh, big budget teams like Frankfurt and Berlin and Munich, other big cities like that. And Trebuchau is a small town, 39,000 people. So the story follows that kind of my journey going over there and then our journey, the unicorns, uh, as a team, as a program trying to get on top of the GFL amidst all this, um, you know, adversity and pressure of other teams that are coming up to the top uh, with a lot of money. So it's a pretty exciting, like, you know, underdog story. And I think, I mean, you, when you're making a documentary, you're kind of at the disposal of what happens. Like if you write a movie, you're, you're the boss, you know, what's going to happen. Uh, You know how it's gonna end if you're making a documentary you kind of have to go through it and you don't know what's gonna happen So I had to kind of find the story once I got Mm. over there Yeah, three years ago when I first went over and so it it took a while to find the story But once I found it um, and lived through it I think it became something special and something special that we captured on camera
0: that's amazing and and to have sort of the foresight to to capture it all the way along, not really knowing where it was going—that's that's kind of a special thing too. And you operate—you've got the drones, you've got like every bit of <laughs> a high caliber. It's pretty fun to watch.
1: Thanks, man. Yeah,
0: it's yeah. it's insane. Yeah, there's sometimes when I'll be like, I have some footage of me like
1: at practice in my football pads, like I had just taken some reps, and then I'm like grabbing the drone and like flying the drone, and then yeah. somebody's filming me. Like the the way we captured footage and. Um, <laughs> Was just like almost hilarious. But it ended up being uh, super good, super valuable footage and special footage. Like, another thing that I think is is cool about this is like, if you want to send over a documentary team, Mm -hmm. you're going to get a a specific product. But what's special about this, I think, is that we're tailing this from inside the team, Mm -hmm. like it's made from the perspective of a player on the team, which I think is pretty unique and something I'm excited about.
0: Yeah, I like that. And I guess I never really thought about it that way but that's totally true anyone in theory could go tell a story about these teams over in Europe but but right. so very few would have the combination of abilities and interests to to do what you've done from the inside out from a player's perspective yeah, appreciate that
1: so yeah that's uh
0: that's really something good.
1: definitely exciting. I think it gives it a nice little unique flair um different perspective that yeah I haven't seen in documentary film yet
0: really no no I, I can't I don't I can't imagine it Exists, yet.
2: yeah, right, yeah. It's you. So the That's
0: very cool, Trailblazer.
1: Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. Okay.
0: And who's the? There's another documentary guy out there. Is it um, Silas? Is that his name? Yeah, Silas. Or maybe Dude, not documentary guy, but like
1: he does. He does YouTube. So okay. him and I are kind of like the uh, the two uh, German football league YouTube guys. So. We're good buddies. We've done some stuff together. We actually played each other mm-hmm. two times mm-hmm. this year. And he's now, he's playing down in Italy this year. And he oh, wow. uh, he's wow. playing in, in Florence for his old, his old football coach, Art Bryles, who was the coach at Baylor. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And now he's the coach for the, the Guelphi Ferenz, which is in Florence. And he tried really hard to get me to go down there with him uh, in this past offseason. So I actually ended up taking a visit down there. Oh, wow. Uh, but I just oh, wow. to to not go down
0: there um well before before we get into that the yeah. uh I, I, I wanted to touch on it like we're all about I want to have a positive conversation of course but I, I I'm curious there is a level of you posted something about like the editing the breakdown yeah. of, of the film that is yeah. wild so you combine that with this idea like you said you're taking reps then you're flying the drone like you've got to be on almost always. Yeah. Is that fair? And, it's and- uh, uh, absolutely. <laughs> There's one I'm, I'm a little bit
1: ashamed to say this. So if uh Jordan Newman, uh, my coach at the Unicorns hears this, don't be mad. I remember being in our first German Bowl in 2016, being on the field, lined up at linebacker and like checking the sideline to make sure my other cinematographer Sven was in the right position making sure he was getting good shots.
0: <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Coaches, tune you- out right now. The, uh, yeah, don't. <laughs> the, but it's, uh, but I, well, that is kind of getting actually to a really important point that I'm, that I'm curious about because, yeah. uh, I find it in, in coaching and, um, not just with, with high school and college athletes, but also, uh, other professionals. Yeah. W- how do you find the balance? Because look, social media, um, a digital or a, a social presence in, in that way a uh, film and photo, right. I don't see it going away anytime soon. And you can certainly, and I and I brought up the editing thing because it was so intricate. And there's a word I'm going to use here. Uh, you, you can border be borderline obsessive about these things. So, so I guess one question is: Do you feel like you've ever fallen into that realm, or, or how do you balance that? How do you how do you balance the digital world with uh, with your actual life and stuff like that? Right, hundred percent.
1: That's a great great point, great question, and something that's really interesting about this social media age with all this stuff. Like, I obviously because I'm make films and do stuff in media have to be pretty active in social media with Instagram and YouTube and stuff like that. But mm. it's definitely something that you can get lost in And I actually had a time this summer when I was doing, um, so when I'm over there in Germany, I do a lot of YouTube stuff. Yeah. Um, and I had a time when I was like making videos and vlogs basically every day and I kind of got lost in it. I remember feeling like extremely overwhelmed and anxious and not satisfied with it, because I was too focused on, I was too focused on like putting out good videos, and so I'd be going through my day, and uh, I would, you know, not feel satisfied doing something, uh, because I'm thinking about this video, and I right, am I going to edit this? How this going? How is this going to be? Um, is this interesting enough content? And so I thought that was a really interesting. That that happened to me for about, you know, two weeks where I was feeling that way, and I couldn't really put a, uh, a pin on what was. Uh, making me feel that way. And I finally realized it was that. So I actually took a step back from doing YouTube because I kind of got so lost in it. Yeah. Uh, because just like you said, you can, you can, it can become a uh, social media stuff can become like an obsessive thing. So I think what you've got to do is you've got to be able to find a good balance and always make sure those social media tools are something that you are, that are serving you and you're not serving them. I feel like I got caught up serving the YouTube. For a lot which was an interesting thing and I'm, it, was, it was kind of tough going through it but I'm glad that I went through it and can now realize it
0: yeah and I'm, and I'm making notes right now um, yeah serving you not serving them so like there's so much there's so many positive things that could uh, come out of these social media relationships like the, the reason that we're talking right now i and I'm very glad for it like these connections can be made the world over because of right. this tool but if you don't use it as a tool to like communicate and, and all that kind of stuff, uh, you certainly can be used by it. And I don't know if you've – there's there's a book out there, Irresistible, and uh, yeah. it goes into – it breaks down a little bit of the science of attention. And there's another book called Hooked, which would be really interesting to think about. And it, and it goes into um, essentially the algorithms and the, and the user experience of, of all these social media ideas. It, it – from a promotional and marketing side, these are things that that people have to know. You have to recognize them because they're incredibly valuable tools. From a human perspective, it's like eye-opening and dangerous. You know, it's Mm -hmm. because like um, when you say used by YouTube, like, look, YouTube, I believe there are some well-intended folks at YouTube, but that is a business that, whose number one obligation is capture your attention and hold it. And then market to you somehow while you're there that's that's the business um so all these things are really interesting in fact we've said this on the podcast before but it's always helpful to hear evan williams and uh the creator of twitter and and um uh, all these other big time tech folks like uh i think it's the opening chapter of the book irresistible actually it goes into the idea that um that these people incredibly explicitly and fairly publicly will say they don't allow their own children to engage with the platforms that they create, um, at right. least at least early on. So if that's not telling, um, I'm not sure I, what
1: is. That's, yeah, that's that's extremely extremely interesting, and um, yeah, I think it's important to. I, I think, like you said, like they're if you use them properly, mm-hmm. it can be really beneficial, but it's hard. And I think it's hard, especially at like a younger age to use them properly as a tool and not get sucked in and overwhelmed by it all because it's this whole – I mean you have – you do have your – people do have like their real life persona and then you see like their online persona. And one of the things when I was doing – I mean I still do YouTube and Instagram and stuff. I want to make sure that those are, the, those are the same or as close to the same as they can possibly be.
0: Yeah, okay, that's um, a good method for sure because they they populate yeah. each other potentially in some platforms right. so that's a good point. Yeah. But yeah, think about that. Like that's a skill set that people just don't have and even not that long ago like there were times where I could really get sucked into PlayStation, but I had to make right. the conscious decision to go at least like physically go to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and now if it's on you all the time and and pink like buzzing and all that kind of stuff. There, there is an element right. of of conscious decision making that is that's no longer. It's it's yeah
1: uh, part of you. It's part of your day, and it's it is it 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 can be it can be a a negative thing. Uh, but yeah, I definitely agree. I think I think awareness of it and like you know reading those books like you that that you just mentioned and just having mm-hmm. an awareness of it is like all right. Then you can kind of catch yourself if you're getting into it too deeply or using yeah. it in the wrong way. Like, All right, I need, to, I need to put this away and I need to focus on real life, what I'm actually seeing, what I'm actually doing, and stuff like that. And I think find a nice balance and making sure you're using them to where they benefit you um, is where the, those those tools can live and coexist with us and still be beneficial.
0: Totally agree. Self, It will always, in my opinion, come back to self-awareness, self-reflection, yeah. and then only from there can conscious decision-making and uh thoughtful engagement with the world begin but that's one of the th- that's like the scary part of it is is the rabbit hole of attention where an hour has passed and you are no longer self-aware that that's like the the eerie part and and i we won't we'll get um we've got some uh researchers in neuroscience lined up for the podcast so so that uh, we'll say the the depth of the discussion for them but i'm curious about like Dude, I mean, when I, when we were kids, probably, again, I'm older than you, but when, when a certain generation yeah. was young, maybe you're put in front of the TV, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when your parents are busy. Now there are five-year-olds, eight-year-olds who can operate these technologies and very literally their their attention networks are being wired in a way that we've yet to experience throughout the course of Whoa. like the human race. And I'm really interested to see how that all pans out. <clears throat>
1: it's uh it's interesting it's like a, it's a whole new thing a whole new world i mean we were just we were just babysitting like a 10 month old baby at our house and you know we're playing with like you know normal old baby toys and stuff like that and she sees a cell phone and she's just gravitated towards it and grabbed it and it's it's just it's old. wild yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i'm excited to hear what those uh, neuroscientists have to say about all this yeah, stuff
0: i mean it's scary man uh um, it is all right, before we before we, uh, move, Alex is always itching for the lightning round. But we, I, I'm I'm really curious about. Um, so I knew your brother Joey played at Stanford. You played at Georgetown. Joey, yeah. Did he did um did he just finish? Joey he just
1: finished. Now he's training for pro day. He's training oh, nice. at uh, Cal Strength right now, which is a big time. Um, big time, yeah. And I just follow. They're 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 a good follow on Instagram. I'm going to give Cal Strength a plug. they they're, they're yeah. an interesting follow on Instagram. But yeah, he's training down there for his pro day, which is in early April, I believe, or end of March.
0: Great. So it's an
1: exciting time Great. for
0: him too. Yeah, you think yeah. he's got? Uh, has he got a shot? He he might. Is he the biggest of all of you? Yeah, he's the biggest. He's yeah. the biggest. He's.
1: Uh, let's see. He's like a legit, like six like two forty.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you got a yeah. good size, but yeah, he's he's definitely got a good shot. Um, there's been some predictions. You know, like late rounds, maybe a priority free agent, sure. even. You know, some of the predictions been like you know fifth round or something like that. So he'll definitely have a shot, um, mm-hmm. and it's exciting. It's cool to see like my little brother. It's like Why my not? little baby
0: brother, like on the cusp of the NFL, which
1: is a really cool thing. It's like it's so weird.
0: That is wild. Well, and yeah. you can just tell him that. Look, if it doesn't pan out, you know this gotcha. great place in Germany <laughs> yeah. where he could exactly. Let, that's right. He'd have a shot exactly. at a starting role. Um, yeah,
1: my my younger our younger brother who plays at Oregon State right now, yeah. who who uh, is, is a little bit small, he's a running back. Okay, but he's already talked about. All right, when I'm done at Oregon State, I want to come to the unicorns. So you got to keep playing. One of my like absolute dreams would be to play with my brothers. Yeah, and I don't know. I'll be like I'll be in my like early thirties. Uh, At that point, but hopefully the body holds up and I can be on the field with them at the same time. It'd be amazing.
0: Well, I can speak from experience. Uh, That's not that old, and and you can still be physically fit and ready to go at a moment's notice. Um, But yeah, no, I I think that's such a cool idea too. Could you imagine if uh, if you guys were all over there playing? It'd be insane. It'd be it'd be insane. Like we've got. uh, I mean, even our youngest
1: brother, who's in high school now. Um, who's got a couple like scholarship offers, and he's in the, the final. But like, at some someday, we've got, we got. I mean, we've got three linebackers in the family. If we're all lined up together on, on one of those teams, I mean, yeah. that'd be
0: so so cool. Could you imagine that? <laughs> that'd be really cool.
1: It'd be, that'd, be It'd be, that'd be amazing.
0: Um, what? Yeah. What? The youngest one is a linebacker too.
1: Yep. he's so he's in high school. He's a junior right now, and he's got um, offers from Air Force, Oregon State,
0: and Cap. Wow. So far. Very cool. So, so, uh, so smart. Uh, he's a bright dude as well.
1: Yeah, he's a smart guy. He's a yeah. Yeah, smart, bright guy. Very
0: cool. Baby brother. Yeah, Baby it's pretty brother. awesome. It's
1: exciting. Yeah, you it's can tell. Fun. It's really fun. Like having – I mean I have an older sister and then we've got five boys. And I, I – it's one of my favorite things is having brothers like this. And yeah. Um everybody's involved in sports in some way. Like we've got one – brother who's not uh, who doesn't play football but he's a recruiting assistant at oregon state oh, wow. so he's actually he's actually recruiting my youngest brother right now to try to I commit like to it. oregon state i like it cool. our older sister that's works cool. with the uh, officials the football officials for the pac-12 so she's oh really them. so
0: yeah everyone's uh, involved in football in some way so it's pretty cool that's amazing it's cool because you always yeah. hear about like uh the family component of team sports football kind yeah. of gets that all the time. And, and you, I mean, you've tapped right into the main vein of this thing. Like, yeah. 100%. It's very literally a family affair. Yeah. Uh huh.
1: Exactly. That's and cool. it's, uh, it's cool. I, it's, it's cool. And then we're like kind of,
0: um, yeah, it's just really cool. It's an exciting That's thing awesome. to be part of, man. Um, okay. So are, are you going back next year? That's my question. I am going back to the Schwebe Shopping in 19 don't 3 peat 3 peat not since <laughs> we're in Chicago you know that so like Michael 3 peat yeah. really means something here you're the Michael Jordan yeah. potentially of the German yeah. football league right. there you go but, yeah we, oh right, i got right. you i see it in the background there yeah. you go he's we're got a Michael Jordan that? poster on his wall that's amazing yeah there yeah, you go that's pretty
1: three-peat. awesome uh, so we've actually we've won now 50 what is it Thirty-four games in a row, over the last two seasons. So if we if we win out this year, knock on wood, we would be fifty-one and zero, and that'd so, be that'd be pretty
0: cool. And it's also you go from uh, Walter Payton's jersey number to Dick Buckus's jersey number, and that's excellent. Also, fifty-one happened to be my jersey number, but who's okay? Who attention there we go. to that kind of stuff. So <laughs> so I'll do whatever I can to make <laughs> this happen. Is what I'm saying appreciate it I see, give well, and, and you saw we you had good support in Chicago right you saw those all those, uh, all those uh, kids with your shirts on and stuff it was that was
1: so we got to get you guys more unicorn shirts uh, that was so cool for me to see that good and that's what excites me also about uh, this documentary is like first of all I mean just bring awareness that there's, there's they play football in Europe like yeah. a lot of people don't know that and I think Making the sport more popular over there will yeah. encourage younger, you know, German kids and Irish kids and Spanish kids and stuff to, to play football because, I mean, I'm obviously biased, but it's the best sport in the world. It teaches you so much stuff. It's, it, yeah. it teaches you so much discipline and hard work and teamwork ah. and sacrifice, stuff that translates off the field uh, into your life forever. And so I want as many people as possible to play football because it's been a Benefited me so much, and and I, I really, I really, truly believe that it, it benefits people in a great way.
0: I'm with you, man. I'm I'm on the same page, and and um, player safety is a huge component. So that this dialogue of like why why are we working right. so hard to like save football is exactly what right. you said. There's, I mean, there is nothing. There's nothing else like it and I, I'm, I'm an advocate for team sports in general but 11 people doing their own unique job and the synergy that happens – like like when that goes well, I'm not sh- – there is no other sport like that. I'm an advocate of all sports but – Yeah, but absolutely. But you don't get that in golf. No offense to golfers. It's just a – it's a different thing. So, yeah, it
1: is. A thing. I mean of course any sports you play are good and, and, and team sports I think are an extra level of that and yep. then – in my opinion, football is the is the ultimate pinnacle of that because, like you said, 11 players. If one guy doesn't do his job, you're screwed. So everyone's got to be on the same page. You've got to you've got to develop a trust for your teammates. You've got to carry your own weight. So I just I think it's super yeah. beneficial. But yeah, it is it is tough with the, with the conversation about player safety, especially mm-hmm. coming up in the recent years and concussions and stuff like that. So that's another element that's at, at play yeah. for sure.
0: Well, we can we can come back to that one at some point if you're interested, because that's a conversation that we have all the time. I think it's a really important one. Yeah. Uh, we actually just had um Merrill Hodge on the podcast. I don't know if you saw that, but he um he wrote a book essentially about everything. Merrill, I don't wanna I almost don't wanna open this dialogue, but um Meryl essentially died momentarily because of head trauma. He went into cardiac arrest. You gotta listen to the episode, it's pretty interesting. I won't spoil it. Well, I guess the spoiler alert's yeah. obvious. He he survived. He's on the he was on the podcast, <laughs> but uh, but now, but now, and he's an incredible advocate of of football, and he works for USA Football, and he's been an analyst, and his own son plays football, and and he's just like, look, it's um, it's it's different than it's just not what people are making it out to be. Uh, right. We've got to be thoughtful about the mechanisms of concussion, and these are these are my words, but it, but his sentiment, um and uh and it's the safest time to play football in the history of sport period like it's c- continually like like good people really are looking at it and trying to make it better and then there's an enormous uh question that i that i really do think may at some point there's a there's an opportunity for you and i to discuss this like what does your post-career life look like you know if if you um if you've got if you've got 65 years post-career what do they look like right. because it's not the 10 or 12 that are going to necessarily determine the, the next 65. Uh, anyway, a discussion for later, perhaps, but an important yeah. one. Yeah,
1: for sure. That, that's what really, uh, I got to listen to. That podcast. It's really exciting. It's,
0: it's good uh, stuff. Interesting stuff. Yeah, let me but I do like
1: know. the point is it is the safest time to be playing football. Yeah. And, it, and it, I think it's getting safer every year. New techniques, new equipment, uh, new concussion protocols, stuff like that. I mean, so it's yeah. it's definitely moving in the right direction too. So yeah. hopefully not too much for concern in the
0: future. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, right. It, so the knee jerk reaction of getting rid of it would would we would lose this incredible teaching tool and, and experience, yeah, which experience. what we can't have. I
1: think yeah, it's it's just it's too valuable the, of a teaching tool, like you said, and something that just adds to to people's characters and, and persons as a whole. Yeah. Uh, it's just invaluable so I think we got to continue to find a way to make sure it's safe and good, and, and as many people that want to participate in it safely can do it.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. Good point. And now, on that note, speaking of safety, don't practice um, don't practice in a thunderstorm. Um, I don't know, dude. You're gonna have so to cut this, horrible. Alex. I'm yeah. sorry. I was trying to do another dude, segue. It's such a good segue earlier. But it's but it's the it's now the lightning round. It's now the lightning round. Yeah, man
2: the lightning round Okay the, f- the first question I had and uh this is a new one for the lightning round all of yours are new because we've had you on before but the first yeah, one that I I'm like... genuinely <laughs> the one I'm genuinely curious yeah. about was growing up uh did your family have like was family dinner a, a a common thing like every single night you guys would eat together or close to it we we tried but because our Get I women, so many kids, so many crazy schedules.
1: Oftentimes, you're eating dinner when you can. People are going in and out of the house for practices, uh, you know, games, all sorts of stuff. So, you know, so sometimes we'd have two people at the dinner table. Sometimes we'd have all eight. So it was actually just kind of chaotic.
2: Because the reason I asked that question is because yeah. there is four Division One football players in the family. Correct? Yeah. In- yeah, Four division one football players. Everyone else sounds like they're also a good athlete. I'm just yeah. the amount of food that must have been at those oh. dinners. I, it must have been spilling over the table.
1: A lot, gallons and gallons of. I think we were doing uh, at our peak when like everyone was high. I think we were doing like eleven or twelve gallons of milk a week,
2: which was a lot.
0: <laughs> that's amazing. And <laughs> a, so just
2: funny. fueled by Costco, just Costco runs. <laughs> That is amazing. Uh and expected. All right. Fair. <laughs> what was uh what was the first job you ever had? The first job I ever had was
1: refing high school basket or not high school basketball, sorry, youth basketball. And um I actually did that with my so I I started doing that in high school. I did it with my friends, and then actually in the last couple of years I've I've done it still with my younger brothers. So we ref together and we'll ref youth basketball.
2: Nice. If you could make for your next film, you have unlimited resources. You can make it about whatever you want. What's it going to be? That is the hardest question. I I like,
1: I've got a small list right now of some topics that I'm interested in, but nothing jumps out at me. Like so extremely, because now I know what a commitment it is. Uh. Something with sports. This one I don't have a great answer for yet. I've got to, I've got to find the story.
0: Ask him me heard about the Good Athlete Project. Yeah, well, oh, man. You know, this organization
1: <laughs> in Chicago.
2: That's right. Right answer. Right now, you talk about cutting. We're just going to chop that up, make it sound like it was <laughs> I mean, not even – a
0: Yeah, unprompted.
2: <laughs> you said that you had mulled a potential jump to Italy to play. Uh Yes. So maybe you've already answered this, but if you could play anywhere, and we'll, we'll go similar circumstances to the last question, you can play anywhere in the world. Every, every country now has a football league. Where would you go play?
1: You know what? I would, I would say Italy. I was, I was very intrigued by playing in Florence. It's a, it's a very cool culture there. Uh, football's getting better there. Also, I have Italian roots. I have an Italian passport which is um, there you go. something there I got you go. to last year, I think. So I'm going to pick Italy
2: and I just pick specifically Florence. Right. What was the most difficult part of making the documentary that, uh, that people don't realize? <sighs> the most difficult part is finding the story and how
1: to tell it properly. I I would like making a documentary like this is like trying to chisel a sculpture out of a, block of marble with a thumbtack. That's how I felt. And it, it's just, it's just finding the story through all of this stuff that I lived and experienced and filmed and finding out, all right, 90 minutes. What is it? What happens? What are the peaks and valleys and, and plot points and rises and falls? So that's the most difficult part. All
2: right. Final question for the lightning round. What is your favorite documentary not named unicorn town? Mm. <laughs> that's good. Um,
1: Man, I'm a little, I mean, this is a little bit uh, recency biased because I saw it last year, but the documentary Icarus, I think, did you guys see that? Yeah,
2: it was really good. Fantastic,
1: really really cool. I mean, I like how it started off with one goal, telling the story about him trying to kind of sneak past doping in an amateur bicycle um, competition, and then this whole new story falling into his lap and like, oh my gosh, this is the story now. Let's turn this way and this is what we're focusing on. I thought that was really, really cool. Uh, I thought they did a really good job telling the story and um, I'm going to go with Icarus.
2: All right. Woo! <laughs> How we do? All
0: right. I got a couple Wendy more. I got a quick, some quick questions. Very quick. Um, Very cool. We're actually doing, we're, I'm, I'm really interested. We're doing some research um, on self-talk. So um, what is, like the language that is literally going through one's head. Um, I, I won't go any further than that because I don't want to influence the answers. But I've got two important questions. One is um, what sort of self-talk do you find yourself using? Like literally, what are the words or short phrases in your head when you are performing well or when you feel like you have to perform well? And then I'd like you to consider the the balance of that. And that's uh, what sort of self-talk do you find yourself using? unfortunately, when things aren't going well, or what are the sort of degrading loops that you might find yourself in? All
2: right.
1: Uh, I would say the, we'll start off with the negative. Yeah. The degrading ones or or the, or the negative ones, uh, I'd say are just like uh, moments of doubt where, whether it's on the football field or whether I'm sitting on my computer editing, or whether I'm in the gym about to try and put up some weight on a squat or something. It's like sometimes those moments of doubt creep in. And that's the best way to describe it. I think is they creep in. I'm not, you're not trying to actively be like, Mm -hmm. can I do this? Um, No, I don't think I can do this. It's, it's these moments of doubt that creep in and say, Mm -hmm. "Um, you know, maybe you're not ready. Maybe this person's better. Maybe this running, maybe this running back's going to juke you. And I always, it's so weird. It's just, Anytime that that there are moments of doubt like that, and, and I don't combat them with some like affirmation or something, I will be unsuccessful. Like if I'm if I've got if I'm going for an open field tackle or something, and I and I feel that doubt creeping in,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I'll miss the mm-hmm. tackle. It's when you're I'm able to give yourself that confidence, um, you know, and, and affirmation that that you're prepared, you can do it. Is when I, I find myself to be more successful. So like. I will just – I always try and tell myself that I'm, I'm prepared, I'm prepared, I'm prepared because, I mean, that's the best way um, I think to, one, kind of calm yourself down if you're in, in those kind of moments um, and I think it just – your body responds physically to that. Mm-hmm. So and that's what I like to do is I, I like to tell myself I'm prepared. I mean I, I do do a lot of work and preparation – you know, um, for football, for training. I mean, I, I considered like my YouTube editing, preparation for my documentary editing. Mm-hmm. So when I'm having some doubt, I'm like, listen, Nick, you've you made a hundred YouTube videos this year. You can edit this. You can find a good way to edit this properly and make this um, flow. And, or whether it's in the football field, like you know, you've you've practiced against better guys than this. You're ready. Here you go. You know, just just basically remember what you've prepared for.
0: That's awesome. And the, the point is to gather that information, not make a judgment on it, but I'm going to judge it because I think it's great. I, I, cool. we talk about like where, where, um, essentially for some people we help them construct inner narratives. Like what does your yeah. self talk look like? How can we adjust it? And, and we so yeah. we don't want it to be false. You know, you can't, you, you know, there's a lot of incredible research out there, uh, regarding like how the words that you use frame and influence the, the behaviors that you engage in. Um, yeah, But like you, that only works to a certain level. You can't, you can't be a sailor and over and over tell yourself you're a surgeon and all of a sudden you're a surgeon. That's not how that right. works. But uh, okay. what you can do is uh, we, we, we say that real confidence comes in two ways and it's preparation and exposure. So if you want to be confident in a moment, you have to have um, prepared for that moment. And if you really want to perform at a high level, you have need, you need, might need previous exposure to that sort of moment. Um, Absolutely. you know, so, so to be able to use, to not only do those two things, but to have self-talk that, that reminds you of, of that that two pillar process, um, right. like you've got this, you've been here before, you've made these edits or you've made these tackles before, like you got this, that's, that's real confidence. Um, right. but like you yeah. said, w- whether, whether you are ready or not, assuming you are ready, the doubt yeah. will, will pull away from it. And and the mm-hmm. and the reaffirming self talk might might it might only put you exactly where you are. Might put you right, right within your capacity, but at least won't pull you away from it. So
1: Absolutely. And I like that. Yeah, the combination of preparation and exposure. And I think it's also something that you get better at. It's like a skill mm-hmm. also, just like you know, like you, you flex that muscle, you work out your muscles, you work out your self talk and your and your mental muscles yep. as well. And I've also started to do like competition meditations and stuff. So when we have a big game, I'll start this meditation pack like a week in advance and then just make sure I'm in the right space mentally. And I think that also helps um, just reminding yourself, you know, you're prepared and and you've done this before. And I do. I think that that's a that's an awesome, awesome thing. and super, super important.
0: I like that. Uh, We're gonna have to dig into this. We've been making notes. We're can we do a round three of this uh, interview at some point? There, there's there's multiple yeah. thought lines that we want to go back down. So absolutely. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, well, then w- once again, I so I just we just got to thank you again. I think um, thank you for coming on, of course, for your time. Um, yeah. Thank you. You did an Instagram uh, takeover for us at one point. I that was a lot oh, of fun. Gosh, Our kids liked it. That. Well, so thank you for taking the time to do all that stuff, and then legitimately. Thank you for being one of those voices that we want to support, the kind of people who are able to balance um, like real, very real uh, toughness, whether it's physical on the field, whether it's uh, psychological endurance to put together big projects and follow through with them, all of those things. But also not be afraid to exercise the other sides of you that make you you, the, the fact that you are – Uh, That you freaking love your family and you seem to really enjoy spending time with them. Uh, You know the the musical side of you, the artistic side of you, um, you as a complete human, not not pushing one of those things into a corner to uphold yourself as you know the the machismo of of whatever it means to play linebacker. You got nothing to freaking prove. So the way that you balance these things is is refreshing. I appreciate
1: that. Appreciate you saying that. Thank you so much. And. Just to you guys, I, I love what you guys are doing. I love your messages. I, I truly, really, I think we're a great fit and compatible, and have similar feelings about all this stuff. And I'm, I'm really honored to be associated with you guys. So thank
0: you so much for that. This week's episode is brought to you by Remind Recover. Remind Recover is a supplement that helps athletes support brain health. Similar to how you drink a protein shake to help your muscles recover after a workout, Remind Recover has been scientifically formulated to give you the nutritional building blocks to help support healthy brain function. I am a huge fan of Remind Recover. It is as close to the science as any supplement I've seen. And feel free to check out their website for more it's remindrecover.com and when you go there if you want to place an order and I recommend it use the code good athlete for a discount on checkout.